You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. This episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. More than a place just to get tasty, affordable food, it's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. I'm Jake Lisko. He's James Rapine. We are the hosts of the Lockdown Bengals podcast today. In just a few short minutes, we'll be joined by Cincinnati Bengals head coach, Zach Taylor asking the hard hitting questions like what wide receiver will the Bengals sign and you know some some other things about what's going on on defense Joe Burrow's interceptions why they're confident in the second half of the year so a lot of really good stuff with head coach Zach Taylor that you're only going to hear here on the Lockdown Bengals podcast which means hit that subscribe button on YouTube which means follow wherever you get your podcast because we're free we're daily and we're here for you, even when the Bengals drop too straight. And we're giving you guests like Zach Taylor. And you're right, Jake. We're going to ask him some, I think, some tough questions. And by the way, I do bring up that Baker Mayfield is being spoon-fed by Kevin Stefanski and the Browns. Guaranteed you will hear me say that to the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals coming up. That's true. And you're you're going to get a, you're going to get some coach speak, but – Zach Taylor, you, you guys saw him on this program the day before, I believe, the Bengals drafted Joe Burrow. He does give us a bit of a different interview in a podcast, one-on-one setting, as opposed to what you're going to get in a press conference, what you're going to hear in national media, because he knows we have a Bengals fan audience, right? And those are the only people listening to the show. So you're going to get some stuff here that you won't get elsewhere. And we have another surprise guest coming later this week. Tomorrow, we've got Joe Goodberry for his mid-season retirement home visit we're going to check on joe and his retirement village see how he's doing get, get his home. thoughts on the season yeah <laughs> joe joe goodberry in retirement former co-host of the lockdown bengals podcast and today before we get to zach taylor a little bit of news to cover james it is yeah. the bye week but the bengals are still making moves hakeem Denergy is the first topic of the day before we get to the yep. linebacker the bengals signed and this has ruffled some feathers, uh, a little bit more so than I thought. I did a Twitter poll about it, James, because yeah. I was surprised at the general reaction to to the news that it'll be Hakeem Adenergy getting another week at right guard over second-round draft pick Jackson Carmen. And to me, it's just uh, this isn't too surprising to me. Jackson Carmen hasn't been a world beater. He's young. He's 21 years old. Adenogy's had a year in the NFL already. He's more experienced. He's 23. And the Bengals were really high on Adenogy in the preseason. Now, that being said, a lot of Bengals fans are like, oh, man, this is a, not a lot maybe, but at least some are thinking this is, this is a terrible draft pick. Jackson Carmen in the second half of his rookie season as a second-round pick needs to be better. You draft starting guards in the second round. And on the one hand, I hear that. I can get behind it. On the other hand, when they drafted Jackson Carmen, it was like a physical tools kind of pick, and there could have been some development time. So I did a poll, James. These are the these are the options in the poll. How do you feel about Hakeem Adenogy getting the nod over Jackson Carmen? Either Carmen needs game reps, maybe Adenogy is better, let them compete, or I don't care, or other right end. 25% 
say Jackson Carmen should be getting the game reps. He needs the game reps. 18% say maybe Adenogy is better. So not very many people seem to be really buying that. And, and the preponderance of respondents out of 1,900 votes say that, you know, let him compete. I don't care. Uh, but it does seem like there's a vocal part of Bengals Twitter, at least, that is upset that Jackson Carmen isn't ready and is somehow, you know, the, the narrative, I think, in their minds is he's losing snaps to a sixth-round pick. I mean, and, and I get that too. So I kind of hear both sides of it. But what do you think? I think that the best player should play, and they clearly feel like at the energy's traits right now give them a shot at being better at right guard than Jackson Carmen. I think that's what it is. And who knows? Maybe Adenogy won't be that good, but they liked him last year. He got five starts last year. Wasn't necessarily at right guard. I understand that, but he's, he's still starting games, comes back this year, has the torn peck, but they thought he was going to be a big part of things and be in the mix there. And so if they feel like he can give them something Jackson Carmen can't or be better and give them more right now, then that's exactly what they should do. Honestly, I don't give a damn if they sign Jake Liscow's say, say Jake Lisko. Oh man, I called your name wrong. The second cousin to block for Joe Burrow. As long as the damn thing gets done and he's upright, it doesn't matter who's there. So if it's 77, 79, 109, 279, I don't care what jersey number it is either. Break the rules jersey number wise. Just make sure number nine is sitting upright and standing upright when you need him most. So I'm fine with this. Play Akeem Adenogy. If Xavier Suafila comes back and is healthy and they feel like he's the best option, it doesn't matter to me. They need to find a way. To me, this isn't tank mode. They're not 4-12 with one game to go. They have a chance here to make a run. And so whoever's the best right guard, whoever they think is the best option, that's who should be playing. And I think it's fair for the fans that are critical of Jackson Carmen and the draft pick. If you do draft a guy in the second round, it's fair to expect that he's going to be a contributor his sure. rookie season, especially at guard. You know, you're not drafting a guy in the second round at guard who needs a year. Might just be the case that Jackson Carmen yeah. needs a year. And that's not necessarily the worst thing. And he is still going to develop. He's still going to get work in at practice. He might be back on the field again on Sunday. Who knows? He might be backing up left guard. He might be the swing guard now. Maybe they're going to start getting him reps at tackle. I don't know. The The short term, I agree with you, James. Get the best player on the field. The long term is, well, if Jackson Carmen isn't the best player, is that a problem? And what does this tell you about what their plan is going to be come the off season with Quentin Spain and Deontay Smith and Hakeem mm -hmm. Adenogy and, and Riley Reef and Jackson Carmen, all these pieces, they have to figure out where they're going to fit. And I think what Bengals fans don't want to see is, yeah, let's see what we have with all these young guys. Let Riley Reef go, let Quentin Spain go. And, and we've, we've got all these guys now. And, uh, you know, I think there's a little bit of fear around that. Not that I think that that, is a likely outcome. The Bengals also signed a linebacker. They got him off waivers. Clay Johnston, a former three-year starter for Baylor back in college. He was drafted in the seventh round in 2020 by the, the Los Angeles Rams. He mm -hmm. is a little bit undersized. 6'1", listed at 230 at the combine, was 227. Doesn't necessarily have length, 30 and a half inch arms or so. Doesn't have great athletic gifts, but for all of that, was adept in coverage at Baylor, was a three-year starter at Baylor, and 
according to Mike Renner, who wrote the PFF draft guide back in 2020, was greater than the sum of his parts, which, you know, fits with the Bengals theme this year, at least through seven weeks on the defensive side of the ball. I think he's going to be a special teamer if he's active on game days. The Bengals needed depth here with Hakeem Davis Gaither going to the injured reserve or the, yeah, the injured reserve along mm-hmm. with Brandon Wilson, Marcus Bailey on the COVID list. So they needed some bodies in case Marcus Bailey isn't back. But if Marcus Bailey can get healthy, I think it'll be Bailey that's active on game day. Yeah, but they, they need a special teamer too. And like, that's, that's, that's the thing. And, and, and you hope, yeah, you hope that that's the case and that's who they trust. Um, you know, we'll see. It, it's it's weird because two key special teamers go down and are on injured reserve right now. So they're going to be shuffling. Darren Simmons is going to be busy during the bye week trying to get the pieces to fit and figure things out. And, and we'll have time uh, to talk about how you replace Brandon Wilson, specifically on kick returns. Uh, Chris Evans, you ever heard of him? But yeah, as far as uh, linebacker goes, not shocked at all that they added someone. You know, we'll see how much Johnson, you know, if he's active or if he's just kind of a depth piece for now. Um, but yeah, hopefully Marcus Bailey can come back. And that's something to pay attention to over the next couple of days. So we're recording this on Tuesday night. The Browns have a COVID-19 outbreak, essentially. And you just played them. So Nick Chubb tested positive. Uh, uh, Dietrich Felton tested positive. They had a couple other positive tests. I know uh, last week, the same thing in Cleveland. So you might see some of that with the Bengals over the next couple of days. Hopefully not, but uh, certainly something to pay attention to, but yeah, not shocked at all that, uh, that the linebackers are, you know, shuffling a bit. It's unfortunate with Akeem Davis Gaither, but uh, without further ado, before we get to Zach, and I know we're about to go to to Zach Taylor, the head coach of your Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I had double booked myself. We recorded this on Monday afternoon and I was on with Mo Egger on ESPN 1530. And of course we were at a bar that, uh, you know, I'm not going to mention, but we're broadcasting from there. And uh, unfortunately, there's a little background noise when I ask questions. So I apologize for that. I apologize to Zach ahead of time. I apologize to him during the interview. But uh, yeah, it's one of those things where he was available when I was uh, had already booked something. So we we made it work. So uh, yeah, that's my, that's my apology, Jake. You think I did all right? Yeah, you did great. And we'll get to Zach Taylor in just a minute. But first, we got to do a little GetUpside. You, have you heard of GetUpside? It is the app that is going to save you money every time you fill up. GetUpside can be downloaded for free in the App Store if you have an iPhone or on Google Play if you have an Android. And it's pretty simple. You download it and you're going to get up to 25 cents off per gallon every time you fill up. And right now with promo code TOUCHDOWN, you're going to get a bonus 25 cents off on your first fill up per gallon. So that's up to 50 cents off per gallon. That is money, baby. And well, you can get cash out anytime and have it sent right to your bank account, maybe PayPal, and you could send it to me or Jake, or maybe you want an e-gift card to Amazon with the holidays coming up. You can do that as well. So download GetUpside for free. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN and instantly save money. Again, GetUpside, promo code TOUCHDOWN. We're now happy to welcome head coach Zach Taylor onto the Locked On Bengals podcast. Zach, it's the bye week. Welcome to the Locked On Bengals podcast. Good to see you again. First time since, I think, the day before you drafted Joe Burrow. Wow. Yeah, it's been a while. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, Zach, uh, thanks for coming on. And again, I apologize for the background noise. Let's uh, let's start with a hard-hitting question. There's been plenty of chatter about a star wide receiver over the past couple of days. He didn't play on Sunday. In the past, he's been called a diva by some, certainly has ties to Paul Brown Stadium. How interested 
are the Bengals in signing Chad Johnson following his epic performance as ruler of the jungle on Sunday? Well, um, I've always been a big fan of Chad's. I've, I've had the opportunity to coach him once in my life when I was in Miami for a couple weeks, maybe. Um, he did sign an autograph for my son yesterday, so my son was fired up about that. So um, he's welcome around here anytime. There we go. There we go. I, I, I'm glad. I'm sure you knew I was going to be mentioning Ocho Cinco <laughs> there. So yeah. um, let's, uh, let's dive in. I, I think it's fair looking at you and looking the way you run this team that you look at things logically, you know, whether it's a big win against Baltimore, a loss on Sunday to the Browns. Um, after that one against Cleveland, though, take us behind the scenes because we see you and you're really composed. But is there ever a moment where you go into your office and scream or, you know, show some frustration? Because I've seen your emotion after wins. But what about after losses? Um, you know, that, that one's pretty simple yesterday. It's when you turn over the ball, the, the amount of times we did in the first half and you give up the two explosives for the touchdowns, um, you're not going to win many games. And so um, that one, I, I, I can understand when it happens. It's very easy to, to point to the issues we have. Um, yeah, you know, you, you put a lot of uh, blood, sweat, and tears into each week, and your expectation is you're going to go win and win soundly and and really enjoy a nice 6-3 and three record and 3-0 the division. Um, I'd be lying if I say I don't go up to my office after the game and – make sure I, I shut the doors and no one talks to me for about two hours and I can just sit there by myself and just kind of reflect on what I could have done differently. You know, that's, that's a big part of my process is immediately after when things are really fresh, um, making sure that just I personally learn from the experience and um, don't make any mistakes that I made during the day uh, the next time around. And um, it's not fun. I don't recommend losing a game and having to spend the rest of your Sunday, you know, going home and watching other teams play on TV. It's, it's a miserable feeling, but um you know, part of part of this job and part of being a part of this league is to be able to put great wins behind you and bad losses behind you as quickly as possible and recognizing that every team in this league faces adversity um, over the course of the season, once, twice, three times. And it's about how you just you don't get in the tank and you don't let the outside forces weigh you down and, and you just focus on the things that you can control and bounce them back and um, shoot, you win two games in a row and, and everyone's everyone's back to, to feeling good and get, regaining that momentum. And that's our focus right now. And that makes sense with the bye week and some of the adjustments that will come in the bye week. But throughout the year, I've personally noticed and many have noticed the evolution of the offense and some adjustments that you guys have already made in season. Things like attaching the tight end to the end of the line and empty to chip at times. Uh, the split back protections against Baltimore we talked about on this podcast and that adaptation to their blitz heavy approach, the under center jet motion in, inc in increasing frequency. What's the genesis for those adjustments in season? How do those kind of come about and become a part of your offense? Well, you know, these, these are things we worked on in the offseason that may not show up early in the year, but they're things that you know that you're going to have to be able to pull from. Um, over the course of a 17-game season. And, and that's really where the bye week comes into play, too. We'll be able to refresh ourselves on some things that maybe we hit in May or June um, so that we can reference the tape and pull them out during the bye week and, and uh, put them back into the offense. I think, you know, we, we really started the season with Minnesota and, 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 and uh, Chicago. Um, and then what, Pittsburgh, third, right? Am I right on that? So we, we saw the fronts we were going to face. And sometimes you got to play a, a little bit different style of ball um, to make sure that you're protecting yourself and you're being efficient. Um, and so we, we, we kind of spent the summer saying, all right, here's the three-game gauntlet against these 
defensive lines and these strength of these defenses. And you got to play a certain type of way. It might not always be sexy and pretty and uh, fire up the fans, but we knew that's what we needed to do to be able to win the game. And we got two of the three of them. Um, it wasn't perfect, but then, um, and then, and then you get into a flow. Now your guys have their pads on for three weeks and they, they get the feeling of what it's like to be physical against the defensive line and everyone's back into the flow of playing football. And now you can open things up a little bit more and, and do a lot of the things that we did last year and some new things that we've incorporated with some of our new guys um, on offense this year. So it was kind of the plan the whole time, which I guess makes sense. And then with the bye week, you talked about going back to that tape from your, your off season install and and seeing what you can put in. But in the last few years, you've also made some other pretty significant in-season adjustments going back two years ago to the big run game overhaul during the bye week last year. After you lose Joe Burrow, you have to change the offense as well. What's the self-scouting process like this week? You, you talked about it a little bit in your press conference about a half hour ago, as that's a big part of the next couple of days. What's that going to look like for you and the coaching staff? You get a chance. Each coach gets a chance to really look at their area of expertise. You know, certain guys focus on third down, red zone, short yards, goal line. Um, other guys by their position, you know, what what is um, – what are the things that my guys are, are doing well and what are the same, some of the things we need to improve on? And then, and then maybe there, there's a batch of things that um, maybe we thought we were going to be really good at coming out of training camp that, that you look at the stats and you rewatch the clips and maybe we have not been as successful as we thought we might be. Um, and maybe there's some things that we've done sparingly that uh, maybe need to be a bigger part of our offense. And so those are just some of the things that you really look at over the course of the bye week and you figure out, um, you don't make wholesale changes. I don't think we, we need to make wholesale changes. We've been one of the more explosive offenses in the NFL, um, and we've been pretty good when, when, we, when we don't turn the ball over and we get that first first down of a drive. Uh, we feel like we've been pretty efficient on offense and pretty explosive. Um, so we're not looking to make wholesale changes, but, but we do recognize the need to constantly be able to adapt and change and keep defenses off balance. If there was one area, obviously you, you always want consistency, but if there was one area – that uh, you had a magic wand and you could wave it at offensively and, and fix it before doing the self-scouting, of course. What do you think it would be? Well, I, I think our shorter yardage third down, and not, not just third and one, but really third and one to five, just, just looking at the percentages straight up on a piece of paper, um, that should be an area where we've been stronger at. And, and there's a myriad of reasons why I can give you it hasn't been good enough, but at the end of the day, it hasn't been good enough. And we've been better at some of the higher areas there. Um, Maybe we should just take a delay a game, you know, and just go ahead and approach six to nine because we've been so good there. But, uh, but, but certainly that that's an area where we need to improve and um, make sure we're putting our guys in the best position and, and executing the right way. Obviously, culture has been such a theme over the not just nine weeks, but over your your two and a half, you know, three years here now. Um, in this year, especially, and in, in yesterday and today, I know a lot of the players talked about the culture that it's going to get turned around after back-to-back -back losses. Why do you think everybody's confident from you to Joe Burrow on down that despite having not having been there, especially Burrow and, and a lot of these players, that you can turn it around and make this postseason run in the second half of the season? I think just the confidence that we had dating back to two weeks ago, you know, when we were on that three-game winning streak and um, we, we'd seen ourselves beat some some really good football teams and we know what we're capable of. And we know that we haven't played up that standard the last two weeks. And so guys guys are able to, to draw from um, some of the successes we've had. And, and uh, we all watch the tape from this game and it's it's very simple, you know, as each player looks at what they could have done better. And it's, it's frustrating for them. It's frustrating for me. And 
Um, so we know that that stuff is correctable. We can get back to the team that we, we were, were during that stretch. Um, we can be very dangerous, and, and uh, we feel like we'll get back to that standard quickly. Coming up next, we'll wrap up with head coach Zach Taylor talking defense and Joe Burrow. Built Bar is the number one protein bar on the planet, and I need to send my guy Zach Taylor a whole box of them so he can recover from the nine weeks plus training camp plus everything that's gone on, and who knows? Maybe that'll give the Bengals the extra nudge they need to get to the postseason, but they have a ton, ton of awesome flavors at Built Bar, and with Thanksgiving around the corner, it's the perfect time for a holiday dessert like a Built Bar. Make sure you check them out right now at built.com. They're a great option for when you're hungry, post-workout, maybe a midday snack while you're in between meetings. Check them out right now. And all their delicious flavors at built.com. Promo code LOCK15, you're going to get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. Defensively, is it that simple when you watch the film? Because obviously the first seven weeks, the top 10 unit, past couple weeks hasn't, hasn't been the same. What do, you, what do you think has been the biggest issue defensively when you watch? Well, I, I certainly feel like in this game, uh, we, we put our defense in a tough spot. We, like I said in my press conference, we, we spotted them 16 to 20 points and um, enabled them to just, you know, get to their bread and butter runs and, and some of the play actions off of that. And, um, you know, so, some teams that have really strong running games, you got to get them, get back on track and get them behind the chains and get them down and get them in a drop back mode. And, um, make them a little bit more uncomfortable. And we just never were in a position to make them uncomfortable yesterday. And um, again, that, that that speaks to the whole team. That's not just the defense. Um, the defense needs to step up and create some turnovers and limit those two big explosive plays that we gave up. Uh, but but I thought, you know, probably the part that goes unseen is they responded pretty well to a lot of the runs that they got hit with. Maybe the first time it was an eight-yard gain or a 12-yard gain, but um, they made the right adjustments and guys were in there and, and guys started making the plays. And those are the things that when you lose 41 to 16 are going to go unnoticed. But um, we noticed some guys were responding the right way and being where they need to be and limiting those plays as the game went on. Definitely something that's probably more challenging for a fan than a coach to stay engaged with what's going on with those run fits in the fourth quarter yeah. of a game that, you know, a lot of fans, you know, maybe turn off at that point, but very much that's a week to week league. Right. And you, you look around the NFL this week, there are a lot of upsets and, you know, with the defense, maybe, you know, fans take the Jets a little lightly. I certainly thought that the defensive matchup for the Bengals against the Jets looked like a very promising matchup. But then, and Sam Hubbard talked about this in his postgame yesterday, the, the adjustment to the quick passing game, or maybe you're expecting a lot of wide zone from a team like Cleveland, and you get a lot of power, a lot of counter. How do you make those adjustments in a game and, and put your defense in a position to answer that bell quickly and not get caught by things like, you know, that Nick Chubb explosive play. Yeah. I, I think twofold, you go back to the Jets game two weeks ago and up 31 to 20, if, if we get a tipped ball turnover or make a stop on third down and you, and you win the game 31 to 20, um, you felt really good about the performance, but that last eight minutes really gets magnified because that's not how the game ended. And in a lot of games in this league aren't, but do um, you magnify those last eight minutes and, and where things went south and it turns into a, a bad performance by both units when um, if you just finished a little bit better, it would have been a really good performance by both units. Yesterday, sometimes when, when a really good running team like that hits you with some of those gap plays and you've practiced them, 
Um, you've worked up against the scout team, and oh man, that offensive line and those tight end groupings and Nick Chubb just hits you full speed. That's what it feels like, and that's how quickly you have to react and get off those blocks and scrape over the top. And so once you get hit with them, you're, you're able to make that um, responsive reaction the next time. And, and I really saw that from a lot of our guys the second time. So it's unfortunate, you know, the, the run that got away, um, you know, for the long gain, it's really – uh, the point of attack, we weren't great. And then we had some opportunities for some tackles that we didn't make before that play got started. But that's what Chubb does. He's a strong runner. He's got the explosive speed to finish it off. And and if you don't get the play started at the right point, then and he gets some momentum. He's going to be tough to bring down. And, and that's what he did. Looked like Bill Callahan did a good job of attacking the front seesaw too. And Tony Romo talked about it during the broadcast, how good Bill Callahan is. And you would know this, of course, at identifying what he's getting and attacking it. We're were you happy about the personnel you had on the field for that big run? I think the Browns were in 13 personnel. It looked like you guys were out there with an extra defensive back. Um, no, we, we had both safeties in the box. We had Eli playing the post safety, yeah. you know, for some of those bigger personnel groupings. So uh, we felt like we were in good shape there. They just, uh, again, we missed two tackles right there at the point of attack uh, that we feel like would get the play started. And then, and then he just finished off the run the right way. So, um, you know, obviously good play design by them. Got a ton of respect for Bill. Tony played for Bill. So it feels like everybody's played for Bill or is related to Bill. Um, but, uh, but it was a good play design, and they made the play, and we didn't. Going back to the offense real quick with Joe Burrow, you know, he said in his press conference after the game yesterday he needs to do a better job of limiting the interceptions he can control. You were asked about this, I think, by Ben Baby a little bit in your press conference today. And we also have heard from Burrow and others that he uses the offseason. I think uh, Brian Callahan has talked about this as well to really review those interceptions in depth. Is there anything that you would like to work on with him in the next couple of weeks in season? Is there anything that you change in the pre-snap process? Anything that you try to emphasize in decision making? Or do you just kind of let Joe be Joe and, uh, you know, live with the ups and the downs as he grows as a quarterback? Yeah, you know, you look at, first of all, quarterback interceptions, are they bad decisions? And maybe one or two this year has been a bad decision, probably two bad decisions um, that he'd like to have back and just manage the down a little bit better. Um, you know, sometimes it's going to be inaccurate throws that are off maybe an inch or a foot. Um, maybe that was a little bit of the case yesterday on one of them. And, and then some of them are just going to be great plays by the defense. They're on scholarship too. You know, I think the one by Jalen Johnson, you know, that was a heck of a play. The one by Rokon Smith, that's a heck of a play. Uh, the third one in that game, he got hit as he throws and the ball pops up. Guess what? That's an interception on the quarterback, not on not on the protection, not on the tip ball, any of that stuff. So, um, and then the screen that he threw last week against the Jets is, is a great play by the defensive end. You know, that's just a kind of a blind faith type of play that we have in our offense and, and it didn't work out in our favor. So, uh, part of playing quarterback is you're always going to take the criticism for every ball that leaves your hands is ultimately going to be labeled as your fault. Um, I think that's that's what's important about having a quarterback with the right head on the shoulders. He knows which ones he's got to be accountable for and improve on, and he knows which ones just to, hey, shake off. That's, that's part of playing football in the NFL. Um, there's nothing there that I really could have done to control that play any better. So his interceptions are up this year. Um, again, I don't look at it at bad decision-making as, as being a big part of that. So people can make of it what they want, but um, we feel like uh, he's in a pretty good spot for us. You obviously put a ton on his plate, you and Brian do, and you obviously I think a lot of people think it's the right decision um, to do so, right, because he's, he, he's the franchise. Uh, at the same time, 
when you look across the field. And this is just me observing, and you see Baker. And I said it yesterday on the show. I think it feels like Baker's doing algebra, and, you know, Burrow's got the responsibility of doing everything. He's doing advanced calculus in year two. Is there any discussion during this buy with the turnovers to maybe pull the reins back a little bit for Burrow? I don't, you know, maybe if that was leading to the turnovers, yes, it's not leading to the turnovers, you know. And so um, I, I think that would probably be fun for people to sit in there with me and Joe and go through every every different interception and see kind of what the reasoning was. And, and uh, maybe that would help people take a deep breath. But um, that's not a concern of ours going forward, that, that he's turnover prone or making bad decisions. And um, I feel confident that, that he's in a good spot and, and going to lead us to a lot more points going forward. I guarantee you that would be fun for a lot of people, <laughs> myself certainly included. Man, that sounds like a dream. That's like appreciate. A, a raffle for some fundraiser at some point, maybe, you know, in the office. Yeah, there you go. That's a great idea. Let's get that. Let's get that going. Zach, we appreciate the time. I uh, want to respect your time and appreciate the answers. Enjoy your bye week. I heard you're going to get some time to spend with your family at least. Yeah. So I hope that's nice. And we look forward to the second half of the season. Awesome. Thanks, Jake. Thanks, James. We'd like to thank Zach Taylor again for joining the Locked On Bengals podcast. Had a lot of fun talking with him for a few minutes about where they are at the bye week, what they're going to do during the bye week, and how the rest of the season might play out. Tomorrow, we're joined by Joe Goodberry later this week. Another surprise guest coming up. Until next time, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one.